welcome the Cruise Club. We've got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode four, Losing It, from 1983. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us today, very special guest. We pulled him out of the art, out of the Disney vault. We have pulled one of our oldest and dearest friends in terms of the history of this podcast network, all the way back to our fourth show on the network, Monkey Club, the co-host of Monkey Club, Mr. Christian Larson. Hello, Christian Larson. Hey, everybody. It's uh, it's great to be back. Have you lost it yet? Yeah, well, I, I, watched, this, <laughs> I watched this movie today. I, uh, I got it uh, through Amazon. with a. It was a double feature with The Last American Virgin, another one of the, the genre of late 70s, early 80s, losing your virginity movies. Of course. But, uh, but yeah, just watch it this, this afternoon. It's fresh in my mind, for better or worse, and I'm ready to <laughs> dive right into it. So now, before we get talking about losing it, a movie where Tom Cruise and his friends go to Tijuana to lose their virginity, in theory. Why don't you tell us a little bit, where, what, what are your memories of Tom Cruise? What was the first movie you saw him in? Um, do you have a favorite Tom Cruise movie? Why don't we get deep into the mind of Mr. Christian Larson and figure out what's your connection to our uh, our hero on this podcast? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, I, I guess my first, the first time uh, Tom Cruise appeared in my consciousness was sort of the the mid to late 80s. I was too young for any of his early 80s movies, but Top Gun, uh, Cocktail. I'm assuming that the, the mid 80s, like 85, 86 uh, is where he really kind of broke out. The 80s were full of big stars. We had Michael Jackson. We had Madonna. Tom Cruise never did a Pepsi commercial. He never really did commercials, did he? No, I don't think so. No, but Tom Cruise was everywhere. He was huge. Top Gun, I guess. I, I was too young to see any of his movies back in the day. But yeah, he was he was charming. He was... You know, he was the biggest star in the world, and he kind of still is. In spite of this movie, possibly. Uh, you know, Mike, we had talked about <laughs> at the end of the last episode how we mm-hmm. had seen three movies, and we liked all three. It was, there was a possibility that the first three movies he was in could be in his bottom five. Right. Um, I'm feeling pretty confident <laughs> that this will be in his bottom five. Not that it's terrible. No. It's just weird and kind of a mess. You know what I was thinking watching this, Joey, too, is you're kind of adverse to bad high school films. Like, I mean, if Keanu Club did anything, oh, sure, I sure. think it, it ruined them for you. And I knew, like, we couldn't stick around high school for too long with uh, Tom or Tom Cruise. I don't think Tom Hanks made a single high school movie. Um, but, I mean, I knew Tom Cruise had already done Taps. And I was like, oh, oh I, hope, uh, <laughs> I hope we don't stick around this grade for too long. But uh, this was... Interesting. We'll get into it. The real boy, shame oh of it. The real shame of it is that he arguably has the most screen time in this movie of any of the four movies, and yet still has the least to do. Yes, I feel like he has. He is very underutilized. When we when we get to that category, I think he might be nominated today. Yeah, he was. He was definitely not out of the out of the four guys that go to Tijuana, uh, he's definitely the one that had the least to do and the least, not like any of them had really a character to play, but he was just the good kid. He didn't really have a lot to work with, but at the same time, you could still see that he had 
much more range than anybody else in the cast, at least I thought. What I thought was interesting about it was how subdued his performance was. And so far, Joey and I, of, of the three movies we watched, he has been cranked up to 11, basically, in those three movies as Billy the Arsonist, uh, Boy at Military Academy, forget your name, and then uh, one of the Outsiders. Like, he is just, you know, electric in those. So I was like, wow, like, even though I kind of find him sort of like lame in this movie a little bit like his character like he he's at least playing it right i was like he's playing he's not doing anything wrong you know it's just not one of his best roles i guess but he can do it he is doing it he is doing it that's for sure what it is what losing it is i don't who knows who can honestly say i think jackie earl Haley has one idea. Well, yes, he certainly We does. all have another. <laughs> so, again, this is within the gospel of IMDb. Who knows if this is true or not? But the, the top trivia bit on IMDb says that Tom Cruise did this movie exclusively so that he could work with Jackie Earl Haley, who at this point had done the three Bad News Bears movies. He had done Breaking Away. Uh, he had sort of been working for about 10 years. And so Tom Cruise apparently so wanted to work with him that he did this movie. It kind of feels like he's the first person we see Tom Cruise, and yet it really kind of feels like Jackie Earl Haley's movie in a lot of ways, as much as it can be sort of anybody. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely is his movie. I mean, out of the four guys, he's definitely the one. Not like he has a lot of nuance or anything to his character outside of the fact that he wants to get laid, but it's it's really his movie something about Jackie Earl Haley I've heard that he's just like a good guy I heard that uh, a, a story about Robert Englund was auditioning for Nightmare on Elm Street Jackie Earl Haley was up for the same role and he was like you know what I'm not right for this role but give it to my friend Robert wow because he would eventually be Freddy yeah also. He, yeah he, he would Freddy for a movie We've said before that from like all accounts that Tom Cruise is just like a genuinely nice guy on set too. So this must have been Good Guys USA or Good Guys Mexico, I guess, uh, chumming around on the set. <laughs> Although, again, Mike, this is another th- sort of a theme in the trivia for these early Cruise Club movies. Apparently while shooting, they were uh, partying at a hotel in Los Angeles and Tom Cruise started dancing with some guy's girl and the guy put on brass knuckles and they had to like escort whisk Tom Cruise out of there so he didn't get beat up. So I can't imagine just how, how much partying he did early on because it seems like every one of our movies so far he's getting into like ruckus you know he's getting into mayhem just you know at the at the nearby hotel in these first four movies yeah i mean according to the rob lowe biography i still haven't read like things were crazy behind the scenes making these 80s teen films because these guys were for all intent and purpose like teens like for the most part i guess like our early 20s and that's you know, newly unsupervised adults, just like with money running amok and, you yeah. know, working and stuff. Just so. good looking young dudes on the verge of superstardom. Right. Yeah. So just like us, we had like every, just like <laughs> us. Exactly. How we have uh, the world on a string. Exactly. Yep. So this movie is about Tom Cruise and Jackie Earl Haley and Dean Stockwell. And uh, what's this kid's name? The best, the no, best character in this movie. When not Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell is the guy from uh, Quantum Leap. Oh, because so you—that was who you said you wished was in this movie. I think yeah, I just had that yeah, in my no, brain. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like Steve Stockwell or something. Yeah, Who's... I recognize him from Christine, another high school yeah. film that's at Stephen King. Real quick though, right off the bat, Joey, um, you know how like recently I'm all about like character names. Did you catch Tom Cruise's character name? So I didn't hear it the entire movie. Then I looked it up and I was blown away. It is a uh, an iconic 
to use Brian Rodriguez's term, an iconic character name for our other Tom. Uh, he's named Woody. I couldn't believe it. Which, for a sex comedy, feels a little on the nose. But, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. Because I don't know, like, they might say it early on, but I don't know that they say it more than a couple times. Meanwhile, they say Spider and Wendell and Dave, like, the entire movie. Yeah, and Kathy. The first thing that struck me, because this is a classic 80s, like, teen sex comedy. I was surprised that it was set in, like, the mid-60s. But I guess I wasn't that surprised because that was a big thing back then, like nostalgia for that time period, you know, like American graffiti, happy days, that sort of stuff. But the intro is very much the intro of an 80s teen sex comedy. It even has a very 80s sounding theme song called Losing It as they're getting ready to wake up and and get going. Losing it. Yeah, like, I couldn't get a grip on what year it was. I was feeling like Agent Cooper for a while because it feels like an 80s movie. So I was like, okay, it's the 80s. Uh, And then slowly I'm like, wait a second, something's up. Uh, What year is this? And sure enough, I I settled on like 55, 60. I really didn't pinpoint it. Wiki says it's in the 50s. Uh, Letterboxd, I think IMDb say 65. The only real barometer is apparently the car they're driving is a 57 Chevy Bel Air. So it's at least 57. So other than that, who knows? I read that it was in 1964-65, which made sense. Yeah, and it's a, it's a time where, you know, losing your virginity to a prostitute in, in Mexico is totally fine, but smoking <laughs> weed is not. Um, so that's... <laughs> yeah, well, reefer madness, man. I guess. I thought about you know, that. Propaganda sure. and everything. Uh, we kind of get an idea of the humor to come, is at least with Jackie Earl Haley's character, where he's, like, stuffing socks down the front of his pants. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, this, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what this movie is. Yeah, and his, like, infinite quest for Spanish fly and, like, the whole legend of it. And I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> we're really, really going to drive a nail through this coffin, aren't we? By but the what the this movie. movie also is, is for some reason, a movie in which Tom Cruise, this, like, you know, chaste virgin of a boy, mm-hmm. uh, falls in love with Shelley Long. Um, shout out Cheer, shout out your, your Frasier binge, Mike. Oh, right, yeah, dancing on the ceiling, Brian. Here is the craziest thing. So the guy who plays, Wen- the kid who plays Wendell, uh, John P. Maven Jr., who, by the way, Mike, was in Taps. He's been oh. in like eight things and he was in Taps. He is the first person to enter the front door in an episode of Cheers. In the pilot, he walks in playing the iconic role of boy. Whoa, that's crazy. Right? In the same year, 83. So, like, I think that's um, one of Cousin Eddie's kids in the first va- uh, vacation movie or something. He is also in vacation. Yes, he's a cousin yeah. in, in vacation. And that's kind of all he did. Like, he sort of stopped working in the in the late 80s or early 90s, I think. But he's my favorite part of this movie. Oh, I was going to say, I love that character. Like, and the kid feel, felt so natural and timeless and all that kind of thing. Like, I felt like, yeah, it was great. He, he worked for me. Speaking of Wendell, uh, you know, so they all wake up, they go to school, they're, they're getting ready for this big weekend trip to Tijuana, and they've all got to pool their money. But one of the four guys who are supposed to go is this hapless nerd, a staple of these kind of movies, who couldn't come up with the money or he can't go or whatever. Well, he told his parents and they grounded him. So they, they have to find the money somewhere. They go to Dave's younger brother, Wendell, who is sort of this this fixer at the school. He's selling term papers. He's got 
he's got all kinds of like bootleg stuff that he's selling out of his locker. It reminded me very much. I don't know if either of you two have seen Rock and Roll High School. Oh yeah, the classic film. But uh, Clint Howard plays a character who has like an office in a stall in the men's bathroom where he sells all kinds of stuff. So Wendell, right off the bat, I was like, Wendell is pretty awesome. He's like got it all together he's probably smarter than any of the other three guys i was also thinking of uh draws from uh, pcu played by the one jeremy pivens if you've yes seen yes that. that's true yeah, he's He's got, like, all the term papers for sale. Let us go into our first little segment here to sort of, you know, prompt the conversation, because it, it, it came up naturally. You know, Larson, in, in our past podcast, Cage Club, Keanu Club, Watch a Throne, we sort of just had a conversation, and that was that. But we're trying to add a little bit of structure here. So let's talk about our favorite moment from this movie. Mine is Wendell buying the fireworks from the Mexican, you know, street merchant, where he's like, if you sh- if you play straight with me, I'll play straight with you. And, like, he just knows what he wants. He's like this little 12-year-old, you know, whiz kid or whatever. And I love doing that. And the, the scene where he notes the watch is a fraud. Like, just these little pretentious monologues, but the kid nails it. Like, it's just so good. And I loved watching those scenes. I agree. Wendell, his, the few moments he has, and I wish we'd spent more time with Wendell than we did with pretty much anyone else in this movie. They definitely stand out. My... My favorite moments, and I'm sure we'll get into this, are the ones with Shelley Long. I think Shelley Long just is... I, I put her in the pantheon of adorable female leads from the 80s, along with Karen Allen and Terry Garr. You know, she's just so good and so charming, and the the small time she has, much like Wendell, uh, to make her moments on screen are just fantastic and she's she's great she's funny i guess it's the the contrast between the just really kind of despicable behavior of the other male characters in this film but anytime Shelley long is on screen i love it i love when she in particular i love when she throws her wedding ring into the fountain and has to fight off the other guys because she realizes that she wants to keep it Mike, what about you? What was your favorite moment in losing it? Hmm, this is a tough one. Like, I, I definitely agree with the both of you guys. Like, um, if I had gone first, I would have mentioned probably one of those. So I'll go. I'll go to as far as moments. Um, I liked when I guess. Oh, so it all kind of came together. So it's when they first meet Shelley Long, and I guess. Uh, she's arguing with her husband and they're going to get a divorce and it's distracting. They're all distracted and so the boys can rob that little convenience store. I thought that was great because that was just like a real fun moment of camaraderie and bonding and like everybody was down to be in on it. Like, you know, Woody, Spider, Dave, like they were all in on it. And, uh, you know, Tom Cruise wasn't worried about getting caught or anything. He's actually stuffing candy bars down his jacket and, and, and everything. And then they come out and Wendell's like, going nuts because he's underage and he can't believe they just robbed that place and and then at that moment when they're pulling out like Shelley Long hitches a ride like everything just converges at that moment that probably it's probably the half hour mark if I went back and, and looked at the so timer it's, it, it's earlier than that the only reason I know that is because when I saw that when they when they finally show boobs when this movie about losing your virginity <laughs> finally shows nudity is 28 minutes in so they're in Tijuana 28 minutes in oh I was wow like, it's moving much faster than it felt I'll tell you 
tell you that. Oh, much. this feels like I ha- I just watched this you know a couple hours ago. I was looking on IMDb and I was like, please let this be ninety minutes. Please let this be ninety minutes. I was like, if it's over a hundred, I'm gonna lose my mind. And it's exactly a hundred. I was like, all right, movie, you just <laughs> got it under the wire. But no, like, there's no reason for a movie like this to be long. So everything does accelerate very quickly. Then they get to Tijuana probably twenty twenty five minutes in do their thing, get to the... It seems like the, the strip club almost from, from Dust Till Dawn minus the vampires. Like, there's just, like, yeah. barkers outside just shouting, you know. Yeah, but it yeah. is the titty twister, for exactly. sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never I've never been to Tijuana. I, I don't know what it's like, but apparently it's a lot like from Dust Till Dawn. It's just this lawless frontier. I mean, of course, things were different back then. No, but it, what struck me was how it must just be a... Part, like it's depicted as being like a party 24-7 that even like little kids at 3 a.m. are hitting the pinata on the street yeah. and you know like it's just <laughs> uh, it's just depicted as paradise for these kids and it seems like there's something. like a 3 a.m. quinceanera too or whatever that party is where like right. Jackie Earl Haley tries to dose that girl uh, that, that guy's sister like that just seems like an after midnight quinceanera or something it's just like i don't know what's going on here i think there's like the strip clubs and then there's also an area for like more traditional sort of it's just a dance it's a dance for the young folks you know sort of the less dangerous the less seedy side of tijuana yeah yeah (laughs) so larson do you have a least favorite moment in this movie i mean aside from most of it maybe Oh, boy. You know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but it's so hard to root for these characters. (laughs) Other than Cruz, you know, they just engage in just the worst possible behavior. And I suppose if I were to watch Porky's or, or any other of, you know, even Animal House, really, in retrospect, you know, it's hard to really kind of root for them. I would say my least favorite is when they go to the when they first go to the strip club and they're brought upstairs where they think they're all going to lose their virginity. And it's like a bunch of D list prostitutes watching stag films in a gross third floor of this building. And it just feels really uncomfortable and gross. Yeah. And actually you you mentioned Porky's. Apparently this was released as Porky's three in Brazil, trying to capitalize on that. Yeah. So, Third time's a charm, but there actually is a third Porky's. Well, so you know, who knows? My I head's going to explode. Mike, do you have a least favorite moment other than, again, most of the movie? Well, yeah, I mean, that hallway was too real for a movie like this, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it got, you know, it turned a page tonally there for a moment, and I was like, wait a second, is this still a comedy? Yeah, basically for me, it's, uh, man, the, that Jackie Earl Haley, the uh, Dave character, like, he really graded on me by the end of this movie like at first i was like all right i think i'll be able to to handle this high energy whooping crane type like hooter like you know he's just like always like making crazy noises and screaming but uh, once they like cross the border and he's constantly talking about how he's like this sex crazed maniac like who can't get enough and just has to like screw anything that moves and like once he's had it he can't you know he's got to have it all the time i'm just like I had to throw my arms up and just, like, put the earplugs in at that point because I had pretty much had it with that character. It was That was pretty tough to take after a while. You know, it's a real coin flip between him and the uh, Spider character, but I just hated how, like, mm-hmm. Spider's first reaction in literally every situation is just to punch a dude, and it seems like he's got a quick jab, which, you know, he, he punches Tom Cruise in the face, he knocks that one Marine in the gut real quickly at that bar fight, but, like, everywhere he goes, he's just getting in the fights, and he finally kind of redeems himself at the border by, like, getting their car escorted up. But still, I was just like, come on, man, like, have, like, 
the most basic common sense at all and stop getting into fights everywhere you go. The character of Dave, it's it's a little bit easier to like him because he's kind of a stock character who's like always talking about sex but he knows nothing about it there's a character from the british show the in-betweeners i don't know if either of you are familiar with that show but it reminded me of that but you see it a lot like there's a, a character who's always talking about sex who knows nothing about it and has never come close to it and and it's kind of endearing but spider is just awful it struck me at the there's one point when Shelley Long shows up and he is trying to hit on Shelley Long and she rejects him. You can always teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, and he like throws a tantrum and I wrote down and I am the last person in the world to write down uh you know the latest buzzwords but I wrote down fragile masculinity cuz that's exactly what it is. Like he is is wounded by his rejection and he takes it out in by i guess is that where he punches tom cruise in the face because he thinks he does she likes because him better? tom cruise sort of defends her and he's like do you think defending her is going to get you you know in get you in her pants and he sort of like stands up and just gets clocked in the jaw real quick goes down and that's when they you know leave together they go to the icy vendor get the ice for his lip and then they eventually here's the question do tom cruise and shelly long have sex or does she back out oh. I think they totally do. Yeah, they do, right? I mean, that's I, how I took it. They I don't got think... undressed in the room, they cut away, and then afterwards... Because as they're leaving, he says, like, was it something I did? And she's like, no, no, no. I think they were going to, and I think she was like, I can't do this because I still love my husband. But he didn't seem to me like a liar because he told Spider that he didn't have sex with the prostitute, and then he did tell someone that he did have sex with Shelley Long's character, I thought. I, I thought. I don't know. At that point, maybe I was just, you know, hallucinating. What do you think, Larson? <laughs> do you think yes or no? I'll tell you, I kind of checked out about halfway through just because <laughs> 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 I have never done that with any movie that I've been assigned for one of your podcasts, but this movie definitely put me to the test. But I, I don't think they did. I think that one way or the other, like Tom Cruise was too nervous or, or something, because you got to think like Tom Cruise is a is a high school kid. He he's even less ready for this than Dave or Spider. So he probably doesn't even know what he's doing. So uh, who knows? I I don't think they did. Maybe they I don't know. I guess ultimately it doesn't matter. Although like does this movie have a moral? Is the moral just to be a good person? I don't I, I it's a struggle to read this movie when it, the meaning of it like because because what's through me the most was at the end when they get back over the border and Shelley Long like sees her husband and like instantly has the change of heart and it was like forget the divorce I'm going I'm like whoa my, my head was spinning faster than ever at that point because nothing nothing was sticking you know what I'm saying like they were going back on like everything they had tried to build up as far as like characters changing and then at the end like it just seemed like oh we're all reverting back to the the way we were before the movie yeah i mean we all knew that shelly long's character and tom cruise's character weren't going to end up together but i certainly wasn't expecting that her husband would just show up and she would immediately 
taken back as if, you know, nothing had ever happened. Well, she immediately takes him back and then is like, hold on a second, then goes and makes out with Tom Cruise again, then walks back to her husband, kisses her husband, is like, all right, let's go. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like we're all like her husband at that point. Like, what is going on? Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real weird scene, man, down at that border. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jesus, the way that we're discussing this, it we, we're only talking about like the dark, disturbing stuff about it. And it was well, a because comedy. I think that's the surprising it's supposed thing. to be like, a comedy. It is supposed to be a comedy, but like halfway through, it's like, no, 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 no. They've already lost their virginity if they were going to. Now we're going to get like real. Like we're going to have, you know, Jackie Earl Haley try to drug and, you know, date rape a girl. We're going to have Tom Cruise maybe seduce an older woman. We're going to have Spider, Spider go just to jail. Beat the right? shit up and people. It's, yeah. It's, like, so yeah, yeah that jail scene is very dark. Dude, it's like locked up abroad. And I was seriously, the whole time, I'm going, when is someone going to get kidnapped? And sure enough, that guy, that girl's brother comes along and like kidnaps Jackie Earl Haley and, and his brother and like drive him out to the junkyard to scare the shit out of him and, and, and everything. I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> like, hold on a minute. Like, this isn't funny. This is like dark <laughs> and weird, man. Like, what has happened? Yeah, one one movie this this reminded me of is Detroit Rock City, which is a movie I love. Oh yeah, great. And yeah. and it's a movie about a bunch of friends who go on a trip and everything goes wrong, and they all have to go their separate ways, and they all have their own individual misadventures, and in the end, they all come back together, and the day is saved. And it's kind of like that in structure, but it's just that all of their separate misadventures, with the exception of of Tom Cruise, are awful. You know, Spider Spider wanders the city looking for a donkey show. Yeah, you know, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, but that is a show where you watch someone have sex with a donkey right i mean there's yeah i've seen clerks too and that's the only reference of <laughs> that i know as if i could like spider any less like that is his his one big thing is that he wants to see a donkey show and before he can he gets into a bar fight and ends up in jail dave wants to get spanish fly so he can drug a local woman um, and he gets scammed. And also presumably high school girls, too, like back at his high school. Yeah. I mean, you guys aren't laughing? I no. mean, <laughs> Also, no, so Tom, so Tom Cruise laughing. has a girlfriend, I guess, right? Because there's that one girl uh-huh. in that one scene where she's like, I can wait, why can't you wait? And she, like, storms off angrily, but never to be seen again. Yeah, I mean, I think he he referenced it. Like, I, Shelley Long is like, oh, I bet you have a girl back home who wants to wait until marriage i used to be like that so it is referenced briefly but quickly forgotten just weird and me like the i guess it, i guess it's the kind of movie that it is but they all at the very very end wind up no worse off except they're in a bar fight at that like what i can only think mike was that you know that's that seafood restaurant that uh brian and dom go to at the first fast and furious movie where like oh, yeah where they're just talking about like i know or brian's like i know you're doing more than just working on cars or whatever doing more than race wars and that's where dom like brings them into the fold like i was just like oh that's like the same seafood restaurant maybe but so there's like the whole marine fight because there's these marines throughout the entire movie that keep getting in fights with spider or like want to kick spider's ass that's all dumb however very early on one of the first maybe our first guest ever on cage club was larson and he was on our birdie episode and this movie, I think, has a connection to Birdie in that it has 
a great final shot because I was like, are they really going to go out on Wendell looking to the camera, like turning his head and shrugging? Like, can you believe it? Just like at Birdie where he jumps off the roof, you think he died, and it's just like there's a subroof. And like it's just like, oh, he's like, what? And then the movie ends. So yeah. <laughs> I don't really like this movie, but I love that like – I can't believe that this is how the movie's ending. And like I feel like Wendell's like, I can't believe it either. The whole time I was watching it, because, of course, like you said, my first appearance on the Cage Club Podcast Network was watching Birdie, uh, which was a movie that I knew nothing about. And I only picked it because I wanted to watch something early in Nicolas Cage's career. And it was the same thought process that made me choose this movie. I thought maybe I will be pleasantly surprised like I was with Birdie, knowing that it was a losing-your-virginity, raunchy teen sex comedy. I wasn't... The bar was set pretty low, but I was like, maybe I'll be impressed. I wasn't. Uh, but mm-hmm. the the whole time I kept thinking, you know, Birdie surprised me. I really hope this does. And the only way... The only things that pleasantly surprised me were, like I said, Shelley Long, who's yep. so charming, and that <laughs> that surprise ending with Wendell where he breaks the fourth wall. You know, this is not a good movie, but it is an important mm-hmm. movie. We mentioned last week, Larson, that, or last episode, last episode of Cruise Club two weeks ago, that uh, The Outsiders was the last time until Magnolia, 16 years later, where Tom Cruise is not the lead. And so while this isn't exactly his movie, this is his first true starring role. So you are still here for a little bit of history, in a sense, in that you know this is the first time he's asked to carry a movie and, you know, we were talking earlier before we started recording, like, the next movie he does is Risky Business. So, like, he's really off to the races uh, from here on out. Yeah, I feel like this, when he was cast in this movie, he probably was not huge yet. By the time it got released, he was probably bigger than he was when they first started making it. So that's what got him first billing. He would not, definitely not have been first billed any other way because he's just kind of inconsequential to the movie. Well, especially like for the, yeah. the re-releases of the DVDs, right? Like where of now course, if you put this yeah. DVD out again, it's like, oh, look him at this Tom Cruise on the movie. cover. Yeah. It's him and Shelley Long. What's also noticeable about this, I mean, I watched a VHS copy, but I can't imagine when the Blu-ray comes out in March, it's going to look all that much more spectacular. <laughs> but this is certainly out of the three, even Endless Love looked better than this to a degree. Uh, but like this is the least sort of polished movie that I feel like he's been in so far, maybe the lowest budget. And, you know, by genre as well, I can tell like that's probably why and everything. Like it's just like a boner comedy or wants to be. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely by no means any birdie. Sorry about that, Larson. Uh, Totally different quality altogether. But, you know, it got close for me to being a entertaining bad movie. I don't think it makes the mark. I don't think it passed the mark or the, the test or anything exactly, but just because it took so many dark turns that felt like they were trying to be funny turns, you know, like it just felt like they were missing the mark entirely, but swinging as hard as they could with as much confidence as, you know, as possible. So just, you know, it almost crept over that line for me, but I just feel like, no, uh, it took it a little too far. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they figured that making a raunchy teen sex comedy in the early 80s was like shooting fish in a barrel. I love shitty movies. I mean, but shitty comedies are very hard to appreciate. Like, shitty sci-fi, shitty horror, shitty action movies, those you can appreciate. But shitty comedies, ah, uh, they're, 
No. So <laughs> let, let's let's play a quick game. How much do you think this movie cost to make? They didn't shoot in Mexico. They shot in California. What do you guess the budget was, according to Google, of this movie? Well, I'm going to say, like, $15 million. Yeah, I, w- I would say that, it, like, I was thinking this when I watched it. Like, a lot of times when you watch a period movie with a low budget, you can totally tell that they're, like, cutting corners on the wardrobe or that there are, like, in in scenes where they're driving down the street, there are cars parked on the side that are modern day. But they really, like, especially in the scenes where they, they went to the main drag in, in Tijuana, like, they really put a lot of effort into the, the period-specific uh, details, especially the cars. So, yeah, I would say at least 10 mil. $7 million. So, more economical than than you would have thought. But, how much money do you think this made? It came out weekend of April 8th, 1983. Uh, The number one movie at the box office that week was Tootsie. Okay? Outsiders, in uh, its third week on the box office charts, was number three. So, we had two movies in theaters. Okay? E.T., in its 44th week, was eighth. So I will let you know that losing it opened. That a, a movie was in its forty-fourth week. To think <laughs> of that in this day and age. So losing it opened at fifteenth that week. How much money do you think, in total, on a seven million dollar budget, this Tom Cruise, Jackie Earl Haley movie made in nineteen eighty-three? I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna say, hmm, I'm gonna say like seven. I think it made less than you know. Well, so it cost seven. So you think it made its money back? Oh, my bad, my bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go way lower. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say 2.5. Okay, and Larson? I'd like to think, like, it was the early 80s. It was when, like, drive-ins were kind of still a thing, and this is exactly the kind of, like, trashy movie that would make it to a lot of drive-ins, a lot of, like, shitty grindhouse kind of theaters. So I don't think it was a total bomb. I'm going to say 6. I'm going to say it just quite didn't make its money back. 1.2. Terrible. Terrible flop. I don't know what the budget of The Last American Virgin was, but that came out the, a year earlier, and I made almost six. So Last American Virgin I've only seen and I've only heard of because years and years and years ago, when I thought Eli Roth was so cool, uh, Eli Roth, like, he put out his, like, five favorite movies, or like, and Last American Virgin was one of those. So I watched that movie, and I don't remember much about it, but I remember liking it more than this, but I don't remember a single thing about it. But, you know, Larson, if you have that, you have that dual disc... DVD or whatever, so give it a shot. Maybe you like it more if you ever, you know, want to watch another losing your virginity movie from the early eighties. I'll tell you what. After watching this movie, it's kind of the last thing on my mind. But uh... it's the last American version thing on your mind. <laughs> oh, you think you might be losing your DVD copy soon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to be losing it uh, right out the window of my apartment building. <laughs> You know, Larson, I, I, I thought of you, aside from the fact that we were going to be talking about this movie with you tonight, I thought of you while watching this movie because that lounge singer in Tijuana reminded me of Uncle Floyd a little bit. You know, oh, it, not it, bad. I, have, I have some notes about him. The note I wrote was a less witty Tom Lehrer. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Lehrer. In the the early to mid '60s, he was kind of he played piano and wrote witty songs about nuclear proliferation and uh, the the Vietnam War, uh, things like that. But he was very very highbrow and very witty. He was he was a, a like a had a doctorate in math. He was like a mathematician who decided to make a few albums. But he was fantastic. Anyone listening, 
look him up. He's great. But this guy sort of was the same style as him, only not that witty, just talking about dicks. I don't think that his his aim is to be witty, though. You know? <laughs> no, I don't think this was this was a very discerning crowd. No, it's like it's Tijuana vaudeville. Like it's the you know like the one the one guy doing his stand up beyond the piano piano, and then you know like the dancing girl comes on. So he's yeah, he's just like the host or something. But I I thought it was kind of funny his disgusting limericks and everything. I think it's just very fitting to like this type of movie and trying to say like yeah this is an extremely sleazy locale that they have wandered into and everything that but yeah i could i could also definitely see uncle floyd playing a gig like that also look up uncle floyd if you're listening and you don't know about him or if you need him to play your wedding or wedding reception he is available (laughs) so i guess the, the big moment in tom cruise's arc in this movie is that he goes to lose his virginity to the prostitute and she realizes like the most compassionate prostitute of all time realizes that he's a virgin, he doesn't really want to do this, and not only does she not force him to, but doesn't even take his money, he he offers to pay her, and she says, Mm -hmm. no, honey, keep your money, maybe some other time. And I was like, that is, like, the best-case scenario for, you know, not wanting to have sex with a prostitute, but still kind of being peer-pressured into it. Like, to have the most considerate woman in the world be like, I don't think you want to do this. I was kind of thinking, like, uh, she doesn't look like she wants to do this either, really. Like, you know, if he's like, I don't want this, I don't know if she's going to really put up an argument. She'd be like, all right, dude, like... That's okay. I don't have to do this either. But he's very gentlemanly like of him, you know, to trust himself and back out at the last minute. I cheered for him at that point. I was like, good for him. I'm glad he didn't lose it at that moment. Uh, he, I mean, he goes on a date then. He goes on like an all-night date with Shelley Long and they go dance. Uh, she teaches him how to drink tequila. They kiss. They go to the motel whether to have sex or not. They just sort of bond over their shared miserable experience down in Tijuana. Yeah, he has like a real after hours kind of moment in this movie, right? Like that Scorsese movie where he's just sort of like lost in a place that he's not familiar with, but there's no like real danger. And like his his whole little storyline is just sort of like, you know, the least threatening. One yeah, they, they walk through a residential neighborhood, like you mentioned before. There are kids playing with a pinata. He says, you know, it's it's hard to believe that this is the same city that we were in before. This is so nice. And it's during those scenes with Shelley Long when they're talking, I definitely was like, you know, Tom Cruise is on a different level than everyone else. Like, everyone else is kind of mugging. And Tom Cruise is acting. Mm. And that's like his, that's his, his through line. Like, he just, he sort of acts his way through not much saves the day by giving up Dave's car to the crooked cop, but then they get it back anyway. Um, and that's kind of it. Like, that's that's the through line. Like, that's that's what this movie is. Yeah, I, I noted that the bad guys in this movie aren't all that bad. The two main villains in... Well, I guess there's three groups of villains. There's the cop. But the cop was really not doing anything wrong. Right. The, the cop yeah. hates Spider because Spider tried to bribe him at the beginning. Tom Cruise said that he'd give the cop Dave's car. And when <laughs> Dave doesn't want to give him the car, then they handcuff him to a table. Then there's the the girl that Dave was going to give Spanish Fly to, her brother... 
you know, they hook Dave up to a crane and they're going to like blow Torch's nuts off or something, but they're not really going to. They're completely justified in doing that. And the Marines keep having their evening ruined by Spider. Like these are, these are people who really are justified in not really liking these dudes. Yeah, I agree. You know, it pretty much is all their fault, like all the bad <laughs> stuff. Uh, do either of you have anything to say? Anything else to say about losing it before we uh, do a couple games here at the end? What is a tuck and roll? Does anybody know I what a tuck no and roll? I have no idea. No, I, and this is not the first time I've heard that in a, in like a raunchy teen movie either. I've, I've I feel like before. it's it's, it's no some kind of some kind of way to customize an old timey car, but apparently. It involves stuffing your seats. The running gag is that the the Mexican dudes are going to stuff his seats with horse manure. And I thought it was going to turn out at the end that his seats were full of horse manure, uh, which would they would have totally deserved. But uh, Oh, that would have been good at customs when they're like taking the car apart. Yeah. And like, what's that smell? <laughs> mm-hmm. The food fight at the end, uh, it takes place, like you mentioned before, at a pretty iconic uh, Southern California seafood restaurant that's been featured in a lot of movies not the least of which is fast and furious so i wasn't crazy that's wow okay okay Mm, yeah nice it's called neptune's net uh it was in point break it was the it's the restaurant where johnny utah first approaches tyler Lori Petty, who works in the restaurant. And also, a replica of the restaurant was built for use in Iron Man 3. Even oh, though is that was... the place where he, like, freaks out and takes off? Like, he almost, like, passes out out from the restaurant, oh, I guess? okay. Like the biker-looking bar? It was shot in Florida, but they built a replica. And also in GTA 5, according to Wikipedia. Of course, yeah. So, very cool. Mike, anything else to say about losing it? Yeah, I thought it was really weird how this is, like very anti-marijuana but i thought that was a funny scene when jackie early haley was like no no weed and then the cab driver's like smoking a huge dutch like right in front of him yep. <laughs> yeah he has no idea what it is i also found it interesting that wendell who was like the the criminal element of their their school he hates shoplifting he's like as soon as they start yeah. shoplifting he's like you can't do this you got to give that back i feel like he's all about like equal goods for services you know what i mean like pay the man regardless of whether the business is legal or illegal which they do leave a dollar bill or something on the till so they're not really stealing they're just mostly stealing yeah that's true dave calls him a little capitalist which is mm. which is true and then i guess lastly is just like i i was i'm kind of impressed like you know we're four movies in and like i said earlier the first three movies tom cruise was very high energy really stuck out really sort of made you notice him and in this movie he was totally cool with like being anonymous like basically like he's you know it's not you know the tom cruise i would have thought of like he's very quiet he's very reserved uh, he's playing a role that I don't know. I mean, I I don't feel like he ever goes back to stuff like this. You know, I don't feel like he ever plays it this small again. But uh, it was cool to see him do this. I look forward to seeing if he does something like this again. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely got the range. If he needs it, he just, this role sucks. Like, that's the bottom line. Like, you know, it's just a poorly written movie is a cheapo sex comedy kind of thing and and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that it's just he deserves to be in a better movie than this so he's just really wasted he's got a long career ahead of him so i wouldn't worry about tom cruise nope i think he'll be fine so speaking of low energy we'll skip ahead a little bit does tom cruise run 
in this movie. I don't think he does. Oh, I don't think he did run, did he? Because no. I feel like everybody else is running from something, and he's just sort of there for the ride. He dances. Does dance, but I don't think he runs. He's been running in movies since 1981, and he did not run in this movie, so who knows? All right, so, Larson, we, we play a game here. That's called The Other Tom. So if Tom Hanks were cast in the role of Woody, which, you know, of course he will play Woody one day, if Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks were in the Tom Cruise role in this movie, what would that movie look like? He would definitely be more animated. This is the kind of role that Tom Hanks would actually be pretty great in, playing this sort of exasperated good guy. He would probably take more offense at the actions of the other guys. He would probably slip into his Tom Hanks kind of high-pitched freak-out voice. Actually, I would have loved to see Tom Hanks uh, as Woody in this movie because he probably would have done more with it than Tom Cruise did. Maybe maybe at this point in his career, Tom Cruise is not as confident in, his, in, in himself, in his uh, abilities, but but Tom Hanks would have totally knocked it out of the park because this is a role that's perfect for him. You know, Mike, this this role sort of seems like, like it feels like we were talking when we did Bosom Buddies, season one and season two, that mm-hmm. uh, it kind of it, it kind of flips back and forth between like two very different moods, very different types of movie or types of TV show. But it feels like Tom Hanks, like the, the Tom Cruise role in this is kind of one side of uh, Kip, from Bosom Buddies, and it feels like Dave is kind of the other side, or you know, Dave could also kind of be you know Peter Scolari's character, kind of in a way. You know what I mean? Like this at moments feels like it could be Bosom Buddies, either the the madcap comedy or the real somber out of nowhere. Like why are we? Why do we feel like we're supposed to cry at this scene? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. When it the very special episodes, or yeah. not episodes, just the very special endings. Yeah, the, the very um, special last minute of an episode. So, you know, I yeah. think I think you know, I, I agree with you, Larson. I think he could play, uh, he could animate this a little bit more. I think he could also nail, if he wants to say somber, he could. I also think that, you know, he could play the Dave role. Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, Tom Cruise probably could too, but I feel like Tom Hanks there would be, you know, pretty, pretty, not that we would like him more, but I feel like he might bring a little bit more humanity to that Dave role than what Jackie Earl Haley did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, although, like, I I can't even picture Tom Cruise playing, a, uh, I'm sorry, Tom Hanks playing a role where he was just unrepentant horndog. Like, have you seen Bosom Buddies? Sonny, 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 Sonny. I guess not. I've listened to your episode about it, though. So uh, Yeah, he is yeah, thirsty no. for Sonny in that. He's thirsty for Donna mm-hmm. Dixon the entire time that he finally gets her and is still just you know, still kind of sex-crazed a little bit, so it exists, it's, it's out her. there. Yeah, he's trying to, tries to keep her, yeah. What about you, Mike? How would how would Tom Hanks play this role of Woody? Yeah, I, I agree with Larson a lot. Like, I feel like he would probably, he might, I mean, I don't want, I think he might be better, you know, this might, this feels a little more like his groove, especially around this time, where it's just like, um, you know, comedy kind of stuff, right? Like, I mean, that's what early Hanks I think of when I think of Hanks, like those early comedies, like he really has a stretch in the 80s. And like, this totally could have been like, you know, one of those first ones or something like if he didn't do Bosom Buddies, right? Like, yeah, he definitely could have, um, would have, I think, been good in this role and maybe found a few more things. Like, I think like at this time, he's got a few more tricks in his bag than... Tom Cruise, like I said earlier, like I, I just kind of those first three movies, very intense. Uh, and then here it's like, oh, look, he's got like another mode. But I know from watching like Bosom Buddies that Tom Hanks has like lots of range and stuff. So he might even have been able to like elevate 
this crap re-roll into something with some more personality to it. You know, maybe brought something to make it stand out even further. So, you know, it's funny, too, because he'll do the money pit with Shelley Long. So it would have been a pre-union with her, and that would have been cool, Absolutely. Too. So now another very important question for you, Larson. If you won a walk-on role, uh, who would you play? What would you be doing? Where would you be? Would you be in the U.S.? Would you be in Mexico? Who would you be in losing it? Wow, okay. <laughs> Basically, Stan Lee yourself. Yeah. Like a Stan Lee cameo? Or yeah, sure. Whatever. Well, uh, I would I would either want to be like a stuck-up 50s teacher in the in the high school at the beginning. Okay. Who's, who's like, all right, everybody, remember, like, uh, make sure that you finish your essays by Monday. And then the bell rings and everyone goes nuts and, like, throws paper at me. Like, I'd be wearing a bow tie and a sweater vest. Of course. I think that would be fun. Uh, or uh, I would be the uh, the MC at a sleazy Tijuana strip club, which would have been more fun. Wearing, like, a white tuxedo and sunglasses and coming up with funny things to say about uh, the cleverly named strippers that came up. I also do want to point out that the tagline to this movie, what we see on screen early on, is a long time ago in a high school not so far away. And I was like, oh my, like, you're, oh, you're going right. to, you're going to imbue Star Wars? Like, you're going to bring, you're going to, you're going you're gonna to make us think about Star Wars? Like, okay, okay, movie, let's see what you got. It was the early 80s, you know, I mean. What a desperate what are it's just so desperate like right off the right out of the gate you're just like please please like this you like star wars right you're gonna love losing it no mike how would you stanley yourself into this high school not so far away so i thought of this like immediately actually because all like all that was running through my mind when they were saying like crossing the border in Tijuana was the movie Sicario um, because like I think of that border crossing basically scene, the like, same scene in this movie almost exactly <laughs> I think of that like once a week it's crazy it's like seared into my brain but when they're coming back into America I would be like a Josh Brolin s border agent who is like in charge of taking the car apart but i would be way more pissed off at them and like be and, and, and just tell them to like look in the corner and benicio del toro would just be there like sitting in a chair and i'd be like yeah that's right you got lucky and then like send them on their way or something because the only the only punishment they get in this movie is like he's like what do you think you are a wise guy and then that's it like that's his that's the whole yeah. punishment so i'd have to add a, an extra le- level of terror to be like never step foot across this border again or you might end up in Medellin in a couple pieces or something <laughs> starring Vinny Chase Medi Ian <laughs> I would want to be a Chewy's sidekick at his at his gas station that I would just be there like in an oily you know jumper and just be like you know wiping down the hood of a car and just not have any lines but just be there and just be in the background and laughing with Chewy as like because I, I love that scene at the end genuinely like as dumb as it is and as like over the top as it is, I just love that Chewie is laughing at this cop getting owned, like getting dunked on by all these kids, and I just love like Chewie's genuine reaction to like this this show for like a, an audience of one. Um, so I would love to be there with Chewie doing the tuck and roll or whatever, laughing at the cop getting embarrassed by four young <laughs> dumb American kids. I love it, and I loved. I mean, another Star Wars thing. His name was Chewie, you know. So like, they really is this in the Star you know, Wars hammering that home? <laughs> this is probably this is episode. Uh, four and a half. Okay. Very fair. Very fair. We have an email address here on the show, run at cageclub.me. Send us an email about your favorite Tom Cruise movies, what you think of the show so far, what you would like to see if you have ideas for new segments. 
let us know. No email tonight. If you email us, I will send you a prize. So that's still out there. Uh, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash cageclub. If you want to, if you have your own idea for what, you know, actor, actress, director you want us to talk about next, you can pay us to do that over there. So patreon.com slash cageclub. Okay. The most important events of the night, the Tom Cruise Awards. So far, maybe the Golden Oak Leaves from the Taps movie. Should Golden we nominate Spanish this fly. for worst <laughs> film? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially since, like, the first, like, I mean, look, Endless Love, like, we can't really nominate that because he's only in one scene and his scene is just like. Oh, and I old. also it's... love Endless Love. Oh, oh yeah, I guess that's right. The more I think about it, that, that you're right. It goes, it, mm hmm. Yeah, Larson, have you seen Endless Love? I have not. I mean, oh, I've seen a few episodes yeah. of Bosom Buddies, but oh wait, that's that's a different that's the other podcast. Tom. Yep, yep. It's very that's confusing. Sad. I'm very confused too. But Endless Love is Tom Cruise's first movie. He's on screen for 47 seconds as Billy the Arsonist. Endless Love is a bad movie, but it's also wonderful. So I would encourage you to check out Endless Love. Knowing the movies you like, I think you would also get a real kick out of Endless Love. Well. Yeah, so the first three movies we've seen of his are good. So this is the first bad movie, basically, that I think he's been in. Yeah, yeah so I feel I like mean, that deserves a nomination. I haven't seen the other movies, but I'm just going to make an educated guess that this is the worst out of the four. Um, <laughs> not only not only is it full of characters that are completely unlikable, um, it's not very funny. There are moments that are just dark and uncomfortable. The soundtrack is really good. Other than and Tom Cruise doesn't have much to work with. Uh, Shelley Long is wasted. It was not good. I would I would rather watch uh, that Nick Cage movie you made me watch, the conspiracy theory one. Oh, you mean Seeking Justice, oh, which Mike and I genuinely love? Yeah, of that course, movie is great. Larson, any time, any time. I would watch January Jones brush her teeth for ninety minutes before I watch this movie again. <laughs> I, I will watch. Bald Guy Pierce chase Cage around any day. Cage sneaking into a newspaper, you know, like a, a newsroom to just do some research, do some sleuthing. I mean, I love it. It's part of the Nolans uh, saga. Who dat? I love that that I just I just got you guys to just go off on uh, seeking justice. Oh, I love like... it. We talk about that movie, that movie and Stolen. Once a month, maybe? Like, these two, like, late cage <laughs> movies, both VOD, we just love. So go check out Seeking Justice and go check out Stolen. I would I would rather, once I'm done with this podcast, never think about losing it again and watch Seeking Justice, like, twice. Well, thankfully, we only have to lose it once, yep. right? <laughs> so now, do we want to nominate, through? I don't think through any fault of his own, but worst character? Probably, right, Woody? Well, I don't... Th- no, he's no... He, Spider's the probably... Well, no, no, no. Worst, you know. worst Cruise role. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like, oh, for oh. Cruise. I mean, more wasted, because I feel like he could play... All right, know, that's prep, fair. That's fair. preppy boy, yeah. Yeah, especially after they, seeing him play they, the they greaser. They could have and... given him a lot more to work with, and they, they didn't, because they it w- it's a lot easier to write dialogue for a horny douchebag than it is to write dialogue for... You know the nice guy who's who's trying to work through his issues with Shelley Long. I mean, it's it's easier to write bad dialogue than good. Dialogue. Yes, I guess. <laughs> in... Do we want to nominate uh, any scene in here, especially like specifically for Tom Cruise, knowing what's coming? Best fight. I do like. I don't think I don't nominate, but I do like <laughs> at the end where they're trying to get away from the cop. I like that they go high low on the cop. That Tom Cruise like ducks down into a ball, and then Spider knocks the cop over Tom Cruise. Like they've planned that before. I like that. Uh, but I feel like most of the fights in this movie, Tom Cruise is not involved in. So I don't know that we can really nominate one of his fights for best fight. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's, it's probably the first car chase in a in a cruise movie that you've oh. seen. Oh, we should probably add that. I don't think we have that as a category yet, but yeah, we'll do that. Best car chase. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's the best car chase, but I, I feel like early 80s comedies had to have a car chase. You know, it yeah. was like the Blues Brothers, where it was a wacky car chase where the bad guys crashed through a billboard. They definitely tried to stick that in here. So it was a car chase. There was actually, there's one great shot that I thought was interesting. There's like a very bored looking prostitute sitting on the back of a truck and all the cars go oh, whizzing yeah. past yes. her. And, and she, she doesn't just doesn't, doesn't look up at all. Like, she's I love it. not impressed. That was a nice choice. That I was cool. That. Uh, do we want to nominate him dancing? I don't know if we're going to keep this category, depending on what's coming, but best dance scene with him and Shelley Long? I don't think so. I don't think it's anything noteworthy. It's just the first dance scene I think that we have. Yeah, it was like middle school slow dancing. Nothing impressive. Yeah, I don't... Is he is he going to be known for having? Oh, I guess I mean he does that weird dance in Tropic Thunder, but is he known for dancing? Well, I mean, Risky Business is coming up, and I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, it's kind <laughs> I mean, of I've known. Seen that before. I kind remember. of known for a dance scene. Is that? I mean, does the um, horizontal mamba count? I mean, <laughs> no, no. There's a there's a very across famous. The hall in his underwear. Yeah, I mean, even even if you haven't seen the movie, you've got to know that. Yeah, and also risky business. Like I was getting some risky business vibes from this movie. Again, no spoilers, but he is kind of involved with a more experienced and sophisticated woman, which is kind of a big part of risky business. So definitely getting some of those vibes with losing it. And which is what he thinks that Shelley Long is in this movie. Cause she even that, you know, when they're in the motel, she's like, I bet you think that I'm some, you know, more sophisticated woman, but she's like, I've only kissed one man ever. So, you know, it's, it's what he thinks he's getting involved with here, but it's not at all. So, so we have the category best athletic feat. I don't think he does anything in this movie. I do want to give credit though, to the spider character, uh, who, when he's getting, jailbreak jailbroken out of detention and he climbs that fence and then does like a pirouette off the top like i was like that's impressive like whether it was him whether it was a stunt double like that was again you know mike we've had a handful of like really athletic moments between the car hit a car hitting that guy in endless love between <laughs> i don't know if that's quite an athletic <laughs> well i mean it's, it's a spectacular you know, the... thing to see i guess it was a stunt yeah yeah it was a good stunt for sure and then you know when in the outsiders when they're going to that final rumble at the end when Tom Cruise oh, yeah, is the backflip yeah. off the car and Patrick Swayze does the like the uneven bars like thing off the the fence like you know it's there's some good jumping in these early cruise movies. Yeah, I mean yeah. as as far as stunts go that fence hop at the beginning was pretty impressive and the car chase at the end was was not bad either. Yeah, I like that like the army dudes went through that billboard. I was pretty surprised that they got some, you know, lift and yeah, that was pretty that was pretty impressive. Do we want to nominate him and Shelley Long for best or worst love story? Hmm. Or is it just down the middle? Yeah, I mean, I was, like, they were a refreshing change from the tone of the rest of the film. That's for damn sure. I didn't feel a whole lot of chemistry. I I didn't, I, I wasn't really rooting for them because I kind of knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere. So, no. I mean, 
Kind of a disappointment. And then the only other category I think that we could, unless there's something that is not already exists, but best or worst non-cruise role, male or female, anybody in this movie stand out either as best or worst? I mean, maybe... Wendell, right? I guess we could do Wendell. Like, you know, I don't know if we're going to remember Wendell, but, you know, let's let's throw him in there. His first, uh, first nominee for the... Best non-cruise male like, a role. I would rather I would rather for this to try and find the good in it as opposed to nominate worst fair. with yeah. Spider or Dave or any of that kind of stuff. Like at least this kid, like he never really went on to do anything else, and like he's a good actor. He's a, he was good. He 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 actually felt like he fit in this movie and was able to sort of transcend all of its bizarre tonal shifts and everything. So, I, w- I mean, if anything, I'd go with him. All right, yeah, I fair. mean, I I say to people all the time that uh, the the Cage Club podcast series is, are, are all about finding finding the good in things. In that is time, our thesis statement, yeah. A, t- a time when, when criticism is, is overwhelmingly obsessed with finding the negative in things. So even in this movie, which was just kind of awful on many different levels. I would say Wendell was a bright spot. And again, we we talked about this at the beginning. Wendell and Shelley Long, I think. Shelley Long, you're you're gonna watch her in the money pit for Hanks Hanks for the memories, is that what you're calling it? Yeah, which you're the episode yeah. that you're gonna be on. So you're on the Oh, you're, is it one you're of my all-time our Shelley favorites. Long series. One of my all time favorites. But she definitely has it's really a shame that she kind of dropped off the face of the earth in the, uh, I guess, early '90s. So she's still she's still acting. I was looking up. She's still she's but in, she's in things I have never heard of. Like she's still acting, but D list or straight to web. Whatever. Like I don't know why because she's great. I know that she played uh, Phil Dumphy's mom in really like, the, the first season of Modern Family, huh. and I was like, that is so perfect. Um, but I don't think that became a recurring thing. But she is just wonderful. Like I said, you know, she's up there with the in the pantheon of charming female leads of the uh, of the eighties. She was great in this. The few, like I love when she's when she's like, I'm going to get a Tijuana divorce. <laughs> you know, she's she's great. Shelley Long was fantastic, and Wendell, and the soundtrack was great. Losing it. Other than that, I mean, it, it had some pretty, <laughs> some pretty choice like early '60s tracks. Oh yeah, there were a lot of good, great instrumentals and stuff, like the song "Tequila," you know, by the Champs and stuff. Like I recognize a lot of that uh, sort of '50s instrumental stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, Larson. So I'm gonna do a category: best theme song slash soundtrack. I'm going to nominate Endless Love, because we talked about it in that movie. Remember, it'll make, like, mm-hmm. so My many good songs. Yeah, well, love. that's iconic. But there's also, like, other, like, really cool songs in that movie, too. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also nominate yeah. Losing It. So, Taps, I don't really remember. And Outsiders, you know, probably has a uh, nice t- score, but, you know, not not super memorable. Taps was but... just that, that bugle, t- the, Ooh, the actual yes. Taps. Yeah. Like, we don't need to nominate that. <laughs> Is there anything else about this movie, good or bad, that we want to nominate? Because we currently have six nominees. Worst film, most Wasted Cruise performance, best theme song slash soundtrack, Best Car Chase, Best Non-Cruise Actor Male, and Best Non-Cruise Actor Female. Well, going on, uh, just for a second, if I could go back to the theme song. I was talking with somebody recently about the lost art of the theme song that either includes it, it, the title of the movie or recaps the events of the movie. 
or the themes of the movie. Oh, yeah, A Suburban Nightmare, and, right, Joey, from yeah. uh, Amos Cage and Andrews? Classic. Yes. Amos and Andrews. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Losing It is definitely one of the, not only is it the title of the film, but it's it's about losing it. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were like, what happened to those kind of songs? I remember that recently, not recently, I guess it was like 2006, but Pineapple Express hired... Huey Lewis to write exactly that sort of song for Pineapple Express. Really? Okay. Yeah, but it's the lost art of titular theme songs that cover the themes of the film. So losing it definitely is in that. uh, One of the greats. Yes. One of the greats. Pantheon. Yeah. Hall of Justice of theme songs. Well, thank you so much, Larson, for joining us. Like I said, you will be back for The Money Pit. You'll also be back before that for Bachelor Party, an early Hanks movie. And you'll be back uh, again on this show a while from now for Vanilla Sky. So you'll be back a handful more times. I Uh, can't wait. Thank you for joining us since early. I'm sorry that it couldn't be better. Sorry that it was no birdie. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for joining us on this very early Tom Cruise episode. Well, I, I always love talking shop with you guys. So, And if we want to feature a podcast like we do always, go back and listen to Monkey Club. There are 10 episodes. There's always rumblings of a reunion. We have not gotten a reunion yet, but I was on for King Kong. Mike was on for Planet of the Apes. One of our best friends in the world, Steve Payson, who was on our Grindhouse episode for Cage Club, was on to talk about Funky Monkey, his maybe oh, favorite yes. movie of all time. <laughs> but, you know, Bedtime for Bonzo, Shackma, like lots of great and also not so great monkey movies yeah go back those and are, listen to monkey Club. i'm i'm very proud of of our episodes that we did so definitely check them out if you'd like to it's yeah. a perfect it's, series of 10 yeah it's a classic run of cage club you know I, I always hear rumblings you know of bigfoot the loch ness monster is monkey club coming back it's just <laughs> well one of those rumors you never know ages. you never know <laughs> well it, it also like i was saying you know we started cage club and then about eight months later we started we when we sort of formed the network. Uh, we started three shows on the same day on April first, twenty sixteen. We started Keanu Club, Zach Attack, and Monkey Club. So you've been there not since the beginning, but as far as other hosts on the network, you've been there as far as you know other hosts. So you are your OG. So thank you, Larson, for being a, a key member of our history. I am a proud fan and contributor, and I will be until you keel over in front of your microphone and cannot record anymore. <laughs> Could be any day now. Who knows? <laughs> but for all things Cruise Club and Hanks with Memories and Monkey Club and all 24 of our shows on the podcast network, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram, Email us, run at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cageclub. And come back next week. Oh, I was... Okay, hold on. So this is where we can do it. So I want to do a new segment where I don't know... I haven't seen a lot of these early movies. So the next movie we're doing next week on Hanks for the Memories is Mazes and Monsters. Oh, I haven't seen this yet either. Okay, so let's both guess, Mike. So all I know is that it's somehow related to D&D. So what I'm hoping... Mm -hmm. Is it's it's a Jumanji style D and D where instead mm-hmm. of like Stranger Things where you know their game comes to life, I want them to be sucked into the game, and I want like Arthurian like we're gonna get Legend here on Cruise Club and a handful of movies. I want Tom Hanks in the world of D and D like fighting dragons and like with a sword and a bearskin. Like I want to see that. So that's what I hope okay. next week's movie is about. What about you? Okay, so you want the new Jumanji? I think it's gonna be like the old Jumanji okay. where the 
where it is like the game comes out into the real world and they still have to brandish the shield and sword and, and all that kind of thing but yeah it all like comes out of the book and I guess whatever the dungeon master says happens so and we'll a, see sort of I'm a excited. more a more modern version is the kid who would be king who, which is tanking at the box office and is perfectly okay not a great movie but perfectly okay maybe better if you're a young kid I don't know who knows but anyway go to cageclub.me for all of our shows come back next week on Hanks for the Memories for Mazes and Monsters. Come back two weeks here for Risky Business. Lots of good things to come. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Christian Larson of the Monkey Club Podcast. And we'll see you two weeks for Risky Business right here on Cruise Club.